Well, hello, everyone. Say hello to somebody. Hello, there we go. Now look at the person you neglected and look at them shamelessly and say hello to them because they matter too. All right, that was really a quiet hello. That's all right. So really quick, I just want to ask you, as we get ready to go into this, real quick, I'm, I'm going to start a little different. I know we prayed a little bit earlier, so I'm going to go ahead and ask everybody to bow their head for just a moment. And if you have something you are walking through, struggling with, anxious about, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray really quick, and we're going to lay it down to the Lord. So with hands raised, dear Jesus, you see each and every hand. You know each and every heart here right now. We prayed earlier, but Lord, we know that Satan, he don't stop. He's trying to take every distraction, every anxiety, every worry, every fear, every bit of shame and guilt right now, and make us not tune in to you. So Jesus, with these hands raised, we lay everything down at your feet, and we ask that your will be done as your spirit and your presence is in this place. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and for your glory. Amen. All right, you can put those hands down. We are continuing in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth all the way through uh, and these past few weeks and we continue in the next few weeks as we go through this and even the next series, we are talking about being men and women of God, not godly men and women. Big difference. And what I mean by that is see, godly men and women know the word. Men and women of God not just know the word, they walk the word. They live it out. And that's what we have to do, because can we all agree that in the time we live in that the truth of the Word of God is important? Like, I mean, everybody's truth is relative, but we say, hey, the truth ain't relative. His name is Jesus, and that's what we're built on. And that's why we come to a church, and we gather each and every week. We celebrate the Sabbath. We celebrate Jesus resurrecting for us. We celebrate that nothing in this world can separate us from his love but ourselves. right? So as we get ready, that's what we're going to talk about is a familiar phrase. Many of us know it uh, in a song, perhaps, or we've heard it throughout our time at church. And what we're going to learn and walk through today is this. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Now, in Ruth 2, Brittany did an amazing job. Didn't she do a great job last week, guys? Right? She's in the back right now or she would throw something at me. That's why I can say it. So she did an amazing job unpacking Ruth too and talking about God being our provision and how the grass ain't always greener on the other side and how God is weaving this story of redemption for us in spite of us. So in Ruth 2, whenever, whenever Boaz went to his fields, this is what he heard from his servants. This is what he spoke over them. Let me ask you something. I wondered if we went to work tomorrow and we just looked at that person we can't get along with and we just said, the Lord bless you. I hope the Lord blesses you so big you can't help but share it. I hope you win the lottery. I hope you go and you miss every red light. It's always green. The Lord bless you. Wouldn't that change? What if they gave it back to you? See, that's what we're seeing here because to say the Lord bless you and actually mean the Lord bless you is completely different, isn't it? we got to have our heart in the right place. So now that we got our heart in the right place, we're talking about the Lord bless you. We'll unpack that even more as we're in Ruth 3 today. I just want to ask, how many folks have ever had that thing like tickling your feet in the middle of the night and wake you up? Man, y'all are, what, thank you, thank you. Just for that, I'm not going to do my trademark Alicia for baby dedication. I'm going to get it right. It's Alyssa. As I do every, if you know, you know. So all the way through, you got my back. I appreciate it. You have that thing in the middle of the night, and what does it do? Does it startle you? Something tickling? Like, I hope it does. I'm going to get some. We need to get some. some never mind. We ain't going to open that. Door. We get kicked offline. We already are. If you have something in the middle of the night startle you, it's not the best feeling, is it? 
If you got cold feet, a lot of times married couples, one of them will have cold feet, and they'll say, why are you always getting me with... It's usually the wife. I know that's... I didn't say a word. I'm not married, so I'm not getting in that fight. But I will tell you, that's usually what it is, right? Cold. Something that wakes you up. That's what we're going to see in this story today as we talk about Lord bless you, as we talk about Ruth and Boaz. So just to catch you up really quickly, Israel is in a cycle of either uh, turning their back on the Lord and having judgment upon them, or following the Lord and living in blessing. And so now all of a sudden, when we picked up this story, Naomi and Elimelech, they go to Moab. There's famine in Bethlehem. Last week, they went back to Bethlehem, and it was Ruth and Naomi. Ruth started going into Boaz's field. Boaz said, hey, girl, hey. They kind of saw something. They take care of something. We're going to see how that works in Ruth 3. So if you've got your Bible today, let's go ahead and get to Ruth 3. If you don't have a Bible, as always, we have them free for the asking. Our, our Vine production team, he's not going to like that I say it, but <clears throat> Zach, make sure that every week it's up here because I can, I, you know, I get lost and I misspell things all the time. He makes sure that we're taken care of. So wherever you're watching in the house or around the world to be on the screen, and as always, it is in our Vine Church app as well. So if you with me, give me an amen. Amen. Now there's going to be something that tickles your feet during this because nobody, because only Alyssa participated. So get ready. I'm kidding, y'all, because if something grabbed my legs, y'all would be praying real hard for me. Uh, Ruth 3, verse 1 through 4, and through this, I want to promise you parents, we're going to have something for you in this as well. Verse 1 through 4 says this. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. We don't have the kids in here, but this sounds like mama telling you to get ready for dinner. Mothers, you know, we're going to celebrate you next week. Hint, hint, reminder, next week, it's Mother's Day. Verse 3, wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, and then go uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. So all of a sudden, you get this advice from Naomi. Go lay down at Boaz's feet. Now to us, that just seems so weird. Definitely foreign. Like, did Boaz's, did his feet smell well? Like, is there something? Do we need to get something in the room? Like, why in the world would Naomi tell Ruth this? And then we can get lost in translation what would happen here. And that's what I want to unpack. Because it's important for us to see what Naomi is telling Ruth, as we will see, is the way to have the guardian redeemer step up from you for you, excuse me, is the, this process. You need to let him know. Make your intentions known of asking him, will he redeem you? And so she goes and lays at Boaz's feet, and we're going to see this, this thing hop up here in a second where Boaz is going to be startled that she's there. But as I look at this and we get ready before we talk to parents here for a moment, look at Naomi's shift. In Ruth 1, Naomi was bitter, right? Her name was Mara, bitter. She was bitter like the Israelites in the desert. She was just, just, just angry at everything because she came back to Bethlehem with less than she left with. Last week, we started to see a shift change in her heart. Now, all of a sudden, she's given motherly advice to Ruth. She's saying, hey, just like in chapter 1 where I want you to find rest with a husband, today I want you to find rest and be well provided for. So now all of a sudden she's given this motherly advice, helping Ruth kind of, parents you know, it's 
flee the nest a little bit. You know, <laughs> let me help you. We, we've staged together. Let's get you out there. So look at what happens, just so you know the context. So at the end of the harvest, Boaz would be at the threshing floor, and it said he was winnowing. What would happen is the harvest is anywhere from six to eight weeks at the end of the grain harvest. And what would happen is they would have the harvest. They would throw this big old banquet, this big old feast. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? And so they would have a big old, they would have a big old like homecoming, you know, crock pots everywhere. And they would, they would have their drink. And what would happen is the owner of the field would lay by the door to protect the grain, protect the harvest. That way no one stole it. Not just a person, but animals. If you don't see Jesus all over this, remember he is the gate protecting us as harvest. I mean, you can see Jesus all over this. So Boaz would be found there. It was not uncustomary for the servants to lay there, but I, this is going to sound, I'm not saying Ruth is a dog, so just understand, we do this with our animals many times now. They lay at our feet. It would be normal for a servant to do that in the master's house. So that is what Ruth is doing as she goes there. And so Naomi's saying, hey, if you want Boaz to redeem you, if, you, if, if there's something there and you trust that the God of Israel is the God of Israel, this is what you got to do. You got to uncover his feet and lay at it. And then you got to make your intentions known. So all of a sudden, let's pick up. I want you to understand before, uh, as we go on, verse 5 and 6, look what Ruth does. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. Parents, have that, put that in your child's room. Like, that should just be, right, Ruth 3, 5, that should be it. Like, doesn't that bring you joy? Because then there, there's no follow-up question. And the follow-up question is what? But why? And then the follow-up answer is, because I said so. Like, there was none of that, right? Like, this is what this is. But look at what Ruth does. Ruth, in faithful obedience, trusts Naomi that this is what you're supposed to do. And verse 6 says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. That's the follow-up right there. Did you, did you do your homework? Yep. <laughs> did you eat your vegetable? Yep, 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 I did. I did it right. There's no follow-up. She actually did it. So parents, looking at this, here's where I want to encourage you today. And for all of us, we have to understand we are stewards I know that this sounds crazy. I'm not making a political statement because, you know, I don't get in that mess because I don't serve a political party. I serve a king, and his name is Jesus, and he's already established his kingdom here on earth, and that's what I'm following. Ain't nobody else going to save me. Ain't nobody else's message going to save me because I don't really care. Only Jesus is, and only Jesus can. So that's what I follow. So when we say all of that, what I want you to understand is we don't own any of this, including the blessing of our children, and that's tough. Because to be a parent, there is work required. Absolutely, there is work required. But as you understand and as you know, if you understand that we are stewards, you realize that the familiar phrase that parents say, especially those as their children have left the nest, the days are long, but the years are short. Parents, you get 936 weeks with your child before they graduate high school. 936. And that sounds like a lot, but man, oh man, they fly by, don't they? They fly by fast. It's like you blink, and they're talking and walking, and then all of a sudden from there, they're on the bicycle, and like you're running after them. It first started with a chase where you tried to pin them in, and now they're out in the neighborhood, and then all of a sudden, they're driving the car. And it's just like, boom. The question is, what do you do with those 936 weeks? I know for me, if I was a parent, I'd be in survival mode. I don't know how in the world. I pray for our parents every day because I know God has gifted you to steward your child to be all that he created them to be. 
And so for you, as you understand that you are stewards, I hope you get some freedom today. And the freedom is this. You can't save your children. As a matter of fact, you aren't writing your child's story. And as much as you want to and as much as I want to, if we will trust that God is God and he is working out all things for the benefit of those who love him, right, for his glory and for our good, the beauty is I know it's in God's hands. And there's freedom in that because if you're writing your child's story, if Naomi is writing Ruth's story, Ruth, we wouldn't have the book of Ruth. She'd have rolled on back with Orpah. We always say Oprah, but Orpah, she'd have rolled on back with her and stayed in Moab. But instead, God is writing the story. So for you, there's got to be freedom in that because if you're writing your child's story, guess what? Your child's story dies with you. That should be freedom. That should be so much freedom. I know we don't want to think about that, but it's the truth. So as the Lord is writing the story, we can see how he is weaving this plan together, this redemption story for Ruth and Boaz. So why don't we, as we go, as we go out today, we're about to celebrate baby dedication after the service. And, and what, we're, what we're celebrating there is literally, Jeremy and Alyssa will stand up here and know that Titus, they are stewarding him, but it is God's child that they get to steward. It is God's plan. Because here's the thing. If you're writing your child's story, when they tell you they've got to pack up and move to Africa to be a missionary, you're going to tell them every reason why they can't. It's hot. They don't got good water. It rains a lot. Maybe they don't know anybody. They look too different. They don't speak the language. But they say, that's what God made me to do. I know that. Encourage them. And parents, I will tell you, I'm so thankful that you, I know each and every parent in this room, you love your children enough that you want them, you want them to be comfortable. You don't want them to have a hard life because when do you want to, what do we talk about with babies? They're the sweetest when what? They're asleep. Don't lie, parents. You know that's what you want to say. They're the sweetest when they're asleep. Why? Because they're at rest. We're going to see this play out in the story as we talk about being stewards. See, as Ruth walks out in this obedience, we're about to see her character on display fully. It's already been on display as she worked the fields, but we're going to see it lived out. And so as Ruth and Naomi continue this dialogue, parents, as we talk about being stewards, just really quick, uh, it's a Holy Spirit thing, so he didn't want me to forget. So parents, sometimes it's hard to realize this, I know, because we forget when we were children. But as Mother's Day approaches, and I think about my mom a lot of times, parents, I want you to know, even though those teenage years might tell you otherwise, there is nothing more your child wants to do than to make you proud nothing. As a matter of fact, there's nothing else on this earth that will do that. Your spouse isn't working toward making you proud. They love you, but they, they aren't fully looking for your, your child copies what you do because of that. And now all of a sudden, even, here's the thing, here's the freedom. I don't want you to be beat up by this. Even in Naomi's disobedience, when she came back to the Lord, Ruth, who she calls her daughter, now is making her proud following the Lord. So parents, I want you to know, you may think it don't matter that you read the Bible to your children. You may think it don't matter that you, 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 you pray with them and all those bedtime prayers. They keep saying good night moon instead of saying good night Lord and saying their prayers. Like you may think that it doesn't. And I will tell you, if you train up a child the way in which they should go, they will. They won't depart from it. I'm living proof if he can use anybody like me, he can use anyone. And I'm telling you, as you do that, parents, understand that's why your child does that. And sometimes they're going to mess up. They're going to mess up trying to, to make you proud. But walk with them through it. So 
As we go on, let me give you some groundwork really quick before we get to verse 7, okay? We'll be done sometime around dinner tonight. I'm not, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll get going. Church crowd, tough crowd. Anyway, as we go on, before we get to verse 7, let's understand what real scandalous is here with Ruth and Boaz. We think Ruth's about to go and put her perfume on and her best dress and wash up to go, go get her man, right? She's going to get ready. She's going to go do that. But what we miss out is in, if you look about this, we talked about Moab, how it got its name. So if you missed a couple of weeks ago, really quickly, Moab's name is the name of an incestuous relationship. Ooh, big word, S-A-T word. Uh, and it'll make sense here in a minute. With Lot and his oldest daughter. We're going to see God redeem that here in a second. What happened in Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah falls, remember? Lot's wife looks back, boop, pillar of salt. All of a sudden, they go to this place, and Lot's daughters say, we don't have any heirs, nor do we have any brothers, so who in the world is going to protect us? Y'all think the Bible didn't have drama. Let's sleep with our dad so that we can have children. They do. Moab gets its name from that. And all of a sudden, what happens is the Moabites are all of a sudden like the Samaritans, like the woman at the well. All of a sudden, they don't want anything to do with the Israelite people. And so that's not the only instance. In Numbers, Numbers 25, what ends up happening is the Moabite women are blamed for seducing the Israelite men because they didn't have a part in that situation, right? Like they, they were drugged against their will to go and turn their back on God. And so the women of Moab all of a sudden get an even worse name. Now all of a sudden Ruth, this outsider, this Moabite, is about to go to an Israelite man who's not married, whose field she's been gleaning, and lay at his feet. Now what, in the social media world we live in, everybody would be talking. And we think that that's something that's normal, but there was always a lookout in the neighborhood. If you knew, you know, that's the one that you didn't go by because they'd tell mama. You didn't mess with them, right? So now all of a sudden, a Moabite's going to an Israelite man, and she's going to say, will you redeem me? Scandalous. Absolutely scandalous. So let's go on. Verse 7 through 11. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. What? Was that an Amazon delivery? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to hurt the words. I'm not going to go against the word of the Lord. But look, he's just like, what in the world? Verse 9, who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. There's that phrase, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. So let's look at this really quick. Just think of that strange request. So if we look at this, this is what this is in today's time. When she uncovered Boaz's feet, and ask him to cover her, that was like giving her an engagement ring. All right? That's what it is in today's culture. It's, he, he is making a pledge to redeem her. So she goes, she gets that pledge, and all of a sudden, he speaks Aaron's blessing over her. You know, we hear that a lot of times. We hear that in the Word uh, as we talk about this, uh, the name of the message you hear, as the Lord bless you. You go to number 6, 24 26, and Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift you up with his countenance and give you peace. You hear that at weddings. You hear that in prayers. That is what he is speaking over her. The same thing he speaks over his workers every time they come to the field. Imagine if every time you went in, the people that work with and for you, you spoke that over them. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift you up with his countenance and give you peace. Man, that will diffuse any situation. You're just going to love them right where they are, right there. Just imagine. So now all of a sudden, he gives that. And then he talks about her in verse 11 being a woman of noble character. Well, many times when you hear that, you think Proverbs 31. That's what I think, right? We're going to celebrate mothers next week. All the way through Proverbs 31, that's what we talk about. A virtuous woman no man can find except this woman. She's going. She's known at the city gates. She's dressed in linen. She rises early, takes care of her family, works late. Like Proverbs 31 woman, that's what we hear about. And the reason you see this in Ruth is, believe it or not, in the Hebrew Bible, Proverbs is right there before Ruth. So he's describing that to her. He's describing that. He's saying, hey, you are the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, did he talk about her looks? Did he talk about, because looks don't fade, right? Come on now. I know it's hard looking this beautiful every day, but I try. Uh, all the way through, right? Looks don't fade. Hey, if your relationship is built just on physical attraction, trust me, it won't go there. It won't go anywhere. It'll eventually end because you'll go try to find someone who is physically attractive to you later. That means you don't have physical attraction, but if you're, you're, your relationship's built on faith, on character, Ruth's character is seen because she's obediently following the Lord. The Lord which just 10 years before, she didn't even know, nor would she follow. Because she was over in Moab. So now all of a sudden, her character is known to everyone. She is a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, when Boaz says, I will surely do this thing, let's think about this. Did Boaz have to redeem Ruth? He had no... He, he really had no legal obligation to. So when we talk about the kinsman redeemer or the guardian redeemer, what would happen is it was to take care of the widows in the family all the way through and make sure that they were not overtaken, make sure that they were well cared for all the way through. And so now all of a sudden what we can miss is Ruth is not an Israelite. She's not part of the tribes of Israel. She married a man that was, that was from Israel, but she had no one really to quote-unquote she, she had no legal right to be redeemed either. Yet Boaz says, because of your character or because of your faith, I will do this thing. I will redeem you. But we're about to see some plot twist here. Before we go to the plot twist, I told you about Lot earlier. Think of the redemption. Because see, when Lot went into that cave and was high in his spirits, he committed sin. But yet Ruth goes in, instead of committing sin... And being promiscuous, she decided to make her intentions known immediately. And that's how her character was fully seen. Verse 12 to 15. Although it is true that I'm a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Like, shot to the heart. Cue up Bon Jovi. You're ready to go. Anyway, like, right there. Are you kidding me? Like, think about Ruth. Did I do all this for nothing? Like, somebody else can redeem me? Okay, I, had, I know I'm old, and I said, Bon Jovi, somebody else could have given the rose, I guess, if you do the bachelor or bachelor. There was somebody else. She had been courting the wrong one. There's somebody else who could redeem her. So, like, think of that in that moment, like the heart sink of, I'm going to have to do this all over again. What am I going to do? But instead of quitting and running away, she stayed faithful. Look what ends up happening. Look how Boaz stays faithful. Verse 13, stay here the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. 
So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Look at that. Looking after her character, Boaz, he cares more about her reputation than his. He said, look, he didn't say, so that my reputation is ruined, you need to go, Ruth. He's saying no one should know that you were here. Verse 15, he also said, bring me that shawl that you were wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured out six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Man, crazy good stuff. So he says, think about Ruth and, and, and chapter one. If you've never read it, hang in there. I promise you we're going somewhere. Ruth told Naomi this, right? She said, as surely uh, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Where I die, where you die, I will die. Where you live, I will live. And if I break this covenant, may the Lord kill me. May he take me if I did it. Now look at that juxtaposition here with what Boaz is saying, 100%. He is looking at her saying, he's telling her that he will surely do it as the Lord lives in verse 13. That he will do it. In other words, I know there looks like there's an obstacle in the way, Ruth, but I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find a way. We're going to do this. And it goes on to say, he gives her, oh man, this is so good, six measures of barley. Six measures of barley. Now, Brittany talked about this last week. It was good. Ruth left, I don't know if you remember, she left with, uh, was that an ephah, which was 30 pounds. So she left with a takeout box. You know, she, she, she took the biscuits. I think they charged now. I haven't been in forever. From Red Lobster, the cheddar biscuits, and she rolled onto the house. And then she had 30 pounds of grain that she brought back to Naomi. Now, six measures of barley, 80 pounds. Ruth's a hoss, man. Like, I need, Ruth's a hard worker. She, she done got 30. Now she's getting 80 pounds, and she just put it on her back and went on to the house. So think about this. Last time she saw Boaz, she had a takeout box and 30 pounds. This time, she got an engagement ring and 80 pounds. Like, would you say God is faithful? Would you say that he's providing? Would you say that he is blessing more than we could ask or imagine? Yet so many times I look at God and be like, could have made it 100. Don't we do that? Couldn't have given me 100 pounds? And he's like, you can't carry the weight of that. So in other words, Ruth got given exactly what she should carry and could carry. Parents, that's what we have to do with our children, right? We don't want to give them more than they can carry. We should stretch them. We should help them grow. But when we burden our children with more than they can carry, man, the joy is lost, isn't it? When we know our children are struggling with something, carrying more than they should, it's hard. It's tough. Those are the tough days to be a parent. Yet at the same time, it is for their good that they do carry some weight. That's why we do those chores. I don't know if people, do y'all still do chores, sharks, parent? I don't know. The chore chart was this. Mama would just hang the belt up at the wall, and that was the chore. Whatever, whatever chore I ask you to do, it's right there on the chart, because if it don't happen, that belt's coming down. Like, you know, it is what it is. And when I got older, I said, you can't still whip me. She said, God made chairs, didn't he? Yes, ma'am. I'll do it. Whatever you need me to do. Yes, ma'am. Man, y'all ain't a wrestling crowd here. I'm going to come out here with Stone Cold or something. I don't know. So as she got that 80 pounds in engagement ring, look what, 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 what Boaz says, though. She can't come home empty-handed. So Boaz didn't have to legally redeem her, but he made sure he paid a dowry for her and that he followed through on the promise he made. It sounds so much like a wedding, doesn't it? She's washed up, dressed in her best, getting ready. A commitment is being made, a covenant is being made, and now they're going to go out and live it. 
And so let's see what this looks like. So six, six. She had six. It's so important. Like, uh, come on now. Y'all, y'all seen Stephen Furtick. Don't stop on six. You know this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Read about Jericho. You don't stop on the sixth day. The seventh day, the walls fall down. So all of a sudden, even with all that Boaz could provide her, she still didn't have rest. She still had to have the seventh day happen. And that is true for each and every one of us. Even though we think we can provide everything for our children, we think we can provide all that we have to make it work. We don't find rest till we have Christ in our life because he is our rest. And that's why, parents, you love when your child is sleeping. Think about our heavenly father above and he looks at us when we are resting in him. That is what he sees in us, how peaceful and restful we get to be. So all of a sudden, wherever you are today, maybe you're on day five, maybe you're on day four, and it is a long grind, long, long grind. You're like, man, I keep walking around these walls. I got the trumpet playing, and they ain't fell down yet, but I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other because eventually the Sabbath is coming. See, that's why we get excited about that. We go and do that. So wherever you are, parents, make sure as you are living this out with your children, make sure you're focusing on their heart. You're focusing on their character. Like, what if Naomi just put Ruth down? You're, so, you know, like, you're a terrible wife. That's why your husband died. Or something crazy. Or you're a Moabite. You don't deserve this. Instead, she focused on her heart and helped steward her in the path that God had told her to walk on that she turned her back on. Parents, when you do that with your children and you help them with love, even as you're giving tough love, you are showing them that they can be trusted and preparing them not only to carry the weight that God has given them, but also preparing them for when God has to discipline them or when God has to prune them so that they can grow even more. So wherever you are, as you're looking at this, this story of Naomi and Ruth all the way through, understand that, yes, your kid can mess up. Yes, Your spouse can mess up. Yes, your friend can mess up, wherever that is. But understand the Lord has them in our life for a reason as Ruth and Naomi go. So let's finish this out real quick. Verse, I I hadn't broke out a sash. I'm not sweating enough. When that happens, hang on, let me do that. There we go. We got the handkerchief. We're going to do that, right? Not sweating quite enough yet. We'll get it happen. Verse 16 through 18, and we'll be done with this today. So I appreciate you hanging in. I believe in the Holy Spirit's got something for you as we continue on. Verse 16, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother empty-handed. Your mother-in-law, excuse me, empty-handed. Verse 18, then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. Get excited. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled. Now, I just said, don't stop on six. And if Jesus is our rest... He didn't rest until he settled the matter of our sin so that we could rest in his rest. That is what this is all about. That is the redemption story that is happening here. We can see, look at this. Naomi is getting redeemed from going to Moab. Like, look at this. Instead of Ruth staying in Moab with her and her sons, now all of a sudden she's in the promise of God. So much so, Ruth is in the lineage of Jesus. We're going to see this. Like, Naomi was outside of that. She had that, but she lost anything that could go forward. Elimelech, her husband, had died. Malon and Kilion, her sons, didn't have any children. So now all of a sudden, Naomi is kind of on the outside of the tribe of Judah and the lineage of Jesus. Yet, Jesus goes, God goes, and redeems it through Ruth, where Ruth will now be in the lineage of Jesus. We will add that here a little bit later, but I just want to say all the way through, parents, I want you to know, as I read this, Naomi 
Did Naomi deserve that 80 pounds from Boaz? Did Ruth have to give Naomi 80 pounds of barley from Boaz? Absolutely not. Did, did Naomi do anything to benefit from Ruth and Boaz's relationship? No, but she did, didn't she? See, parents, your children will benefit with your walk from Christ, with Christ. They will. You can't save them. Only Jesus can. But I will tell you, as much as they benefit from your walk with Christ, you're going to benefit from their walk with Christ. This is what Naomi and Ruth is doing. She is benefiting directly from, as she calls her, her daughter and the relationship that she has and being faithful all the way through. And so all the way through as you do this, parents, really quick, how do you do this? Just really quick, yeah, 17 more points. Uh, really quick, as you do this to live out Christ in front of your children, just a reminder when you do this, make sure you do it every day. Make it natural. When you gather around the dinner table, Ask them what's stirring their heart, what's burdening their heart. What can you pray about, how their day was? Like, I will tell you, that is what I miss the most of all. Like, it's just so many times when you gather with family, that's what makes those family gatherings so special. Makes Christmas special, makes Thanksgiving special. Not football on in the background, but a family gathered around the table. Because guess what we're going to do for eternity? We're going to gather around a table. And we're going to have something better than football. They're going to have me telling jokes up there. I don't know. Whatever it is, like, we're going to have something better than football. So make sure when you have meal, you do that. Make sure when you're driving in the car, drive time. It's important. Speak this over your children. You only get so long. Listen, you get 936 weekends with them, but you know when they turn 16. I remember when we turned 16, you get that license. How many times do you get to drive or get to have your children? Like, at the beginning, they'll go anywhere. Like, you remember when you were a teenager, you go in, I'll go to the grocery store. Yeah, I'll go do that. I'll do that. I just want to drive, 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 drive. They don't want anything to do with you after that, right? You got freedom. Make that important. When they, when, they, when they go to bed, when they go to bed, pray with them. Pray over them. Because I will tell you, at, I, I remember my mother talking about this a lot, and so I know I share this a lot, so forgive me for repeating myself. But there's only so many times when... Uh, there's going to come a time in your life, as Ruth and Naomi are here, where your child is not going to stay more than one night in your house. They're not going to stay there forever. Parents are giving hints to some who need to move out right now. I hear the eyes cutting. It's okay. No problem. But there's going to be a moment where that child's no longer going to stay in that room. Pray over them while they're there. Oh, you can see them. Pray with them. Hey, in the morning when they wake up, pray with them. Have breakfast with them. Speak life over them. Like, I love it all the way through. I already know when they get out of the car, make good choices. Like, right, we're going to say that all the way through. Make good choices, right? But really, talk to them about it. Get to know their hearts. Steward that well. Because as you do that, it's going to actually grow their relationship with the Heavenly Father. All the way through. So wherever you are, parents, today, as we wrap up, wherever you are, whether you're a parent, grandparent, godparent, no parent, dog parent, cat parent. I don't know. Wherever you are today when it comes to this, maybe in this story I want us to talk about this if you get nothing out of this today. Maybe you feel like you're, you're Naomi. You're too old for anything. You're too old to be used by God. You're too old to make an impact in your children's life, especially if they're still living. There's no way that God can redeem your story. Maybe you're like Ruth. You're on the outside looking in. You have nothing to offer, nothing to offer, but surrender. You're young, you're widowed, you're too, too young to be widowed, but you don't have any, you don't even know the full ways of God, nor are you part of his people, so you may think you have nothing to offer God, or maybe, maybe, just maybe you're like Boaz. Boaz as well. Boaz felt like he was old, but the difference between Boaz and Naomi is Naomi felt like she was old, but she was stuck in the shame of Moab. 
So wherever you are today, maybe you're stuck in shame, maybe you're stuck in your past, maybe you feel like you can't have enough or bring enough to the table, I just want to say, if you think God can't use you, there's a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb that says he loves you enough and that you were made on a purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and today, if you would just trust him and lay it down to him, man, can you walk in the fullness of it. 80 pounds of barley ain't nothing compared to the blessing that he has. He has a blessing, we talk about this, the cattle of a thousand hills are his. And so today, the reason that we talk about that is because we get to offload our burden of sin to him who bore it fully on the cross in Jesus Christ. And we get to rest and no longer anything in this world separating us from him. Anything. When I know, listen, when I know that I'm going to see my mother again in heaven because she trusted the Lord, gives me some peace. Gives me a lot of peace. Now, she's probably got the belt up there because I'm not doing chores right right now, but she's also my best advocate to Jesus, reminding him it's not time to take me home yet. Like, still got time to go. Sometimes he's probably just, I'm cracking jokes about John Bon Jovi in church. You know, he's ready. I'm taking him right now. My mom's talking him off the ledge. But I'm so thankful, thankful for her. I'm thankful that she loved the Lord. I'm thankful when she was just like Ruth, with my daddy passed away, she could have turned her back on the church. She could have said, God, I don't even know why I'm following you. I don't understand what's going on. I have these three kids. I got to raise. I, I don't know what's going on. But instead, she dove deeper in. And it's led me to where I get to be today. And so, parents, the encouragement is your child may feel like they're too far gone. You may think that they are too far out there for God to redeem you, that there is no hope for them. And I will tell you, in Jesus, there's always hope. You keep praying for them. You keep praying that prodigal home. You keep loving them just like Jesus did. You do everything you can. You can't save them, but Jesus can. But you can love them just like Jesus loved us. And so today, wherever you are, there is a redemption story of Ruth and Boaz here. And it's beautiful to see Ruth being redeemed. But church, that's me and you. Outside. No inheritance. No right to God, creator God. We have nothing to bring but our surrender laying at his feet. That's all we have to bring. And instead of us staying in this shame and guilt, thinking we can earn our way to him and be perfect and be righteous and save ourselves, God loves us enough to say, I don't want you to stay that way. I'm going to redeem you because I'm going to send someone you didn't even know. And he's going to go live the perfect sinless life that you couldn't live, making you righteous, being in right standing with God. He's going to bear the full wrath of God for your sin by dying on the cross so that every time you mess up, you ain't got to figure out whether it's a sheep or a goat or a dove or a ram or or whatever it is, you know, is it T-bone steak or not T-bone? You don't have to figure all that out. It's a once and all eternal sacrifice on the cross. But he didn't even stop there. He still loves you enough. And he rose again on the third day, which is why we gather on Sunday, so that you can have life and have it to the full. What do we mean by that? It means that you can be exactly who you are created to be now. You ain't got to wait for heaven to experience the peace of God, the rest that comes from Christ Jesus, the truth that Jesus says. You don't have to wait. You can live it out now. The only thing that you and I can bring is our surrender to receive it, our faith. We surrender and understand we can't save ourselves, and our faith that Jesus is who he says he is. This is what Ruth does, that God is who he says he is. She surrenders and by faith walks in it, and look how this story of redemption plays out. And so today, the thing is, I can't make this choice for you. I can't save you. I can't save you any more than I can help you uh, take off the emergency brake of your car. And if you know, you know. I will pull the hood latch every time. That's all I'm good for. But I do know who can. And I do know 
who is standing knocking at the door asking you will you receive him today john 3 16 and 17 reminds us for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life but look at this god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him he's not standing there mad at you with a belt ready to whip you he's standing there with open arms saying come home child And he's ready to hug you and celebrate you trusting him. And so today, I pray that you would be reminded if you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you would be reminded of his provision and who he is for each and every one of us. But some of us today, maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're Naomi. You're stuck in the shame and the pain and the guilt of your past, thinking you can't be redeemed. Maybe you're like Boaz. You think, I'm too old for God to do anything with. There's no way that he could love me. Uh, And there's no way that he could redeem my story. Or maybe you're like Ruth and you think, man, I don't have anything to bring. And I'm gonna tell you, you're the perfect one that Jesus wants to save because he is the perfect one because you know you don't have it all figured out. So with every head bow and every eye closed, we're gonna pray this prayer for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. And it's not the words of this prayer that saves you, it's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. What we're gonna be praying is that yes, Jesus lived the perfect sinless life we couldn't live. And we know that we couldn't do that. We will always come up short. So instead of us continually coming up short, he lived it perfectly for us, that he bore God's full wrath for our sin, our sin that leads to death. And instead of us, instead of staying dead, he rose again on the third day so that we could live out life. We could have that peace. We could have that rest. This prayer is a prayer of surrender. So with every head bow and every eye closed, would you please repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live. Died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if for the first time you can say that you have surrendered to the Lord, you have received this free gift of salvation that Christ and Christ alone brings, I'm gonna ask you to boldly raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If you're in the house today, would you raise your hand? If you're watching online or listening throughout the week, you can leave us a comment. We would love to celebrate this decision with you. For the rest of us, if you just wanna look up, we're about to enter into a time of worship. And as we talk about this, and we go back into the presence of the Lord, I pray that we would be reminded that as he empties our hands, he is making room to fill it again. And I pray as you stand and sing with us that you would trust that.
This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. I will make room for you to do whatever you want. 
Thank you for hanging out with us today. We're about to get ready for baby dedication, so we're going to make room for the children to go crazy here in a minute. It's going to be awesome. But I just want to say I thank each and every one of you for being here. It's an honor and a privilege, but if nothing else, let us be reminded today as we make room for the Lord, He is faithful. As we make room for the Lord in our life, but just imagine as we make room for the Lord in our children's life. The blessing that he bestows upon us is, as we're going to read in Ruth next week, better than seven sons by gaining a blessing of a grandson for Naomi. So we hope you have an awesome week. We'd love to see your smiling face next week as we celebrate Mother's Day. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.